23 years ago, two, three, the Vatican mandated a halt to the abuse of lay busybodies handling all the liturgy, especially distributing Holy Communion. They warned that a ministerial industrial complex of parallel ordination was clouding the vision of actual ministry. Today, 23 years later, you know they didn't listen to this. As the coronavirus spreads and precautions are focused on hands, dirty hands, hands that get contaminated by touching things, not touching contaminated surfaces, washing your hands, how to properly wash your hands. Even the USCCB is praising dioceses that are putting how to wash your hands diagrams out. And don't forget, don't shake hands. Some dioceses have made prudent precautions regarding the coronavirus, including getting rid of the sign of peace. But some of these dioceses are mandating that in addition to dirty lay hands being used to distribute Holy Communion, that the safe way to receive is in the hand. We're going to talk about why they can't see through the cloudy complex of busybodiedness, that the solution is getting rid of those extra hands and more. So stay tuned. You thought you heard it all, but you're guaranteed to get a couple chuckles and learn something today. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. This is a hot take, something new, and the title is, The coronavirus should be the end of extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion, a.k.a. busy bodies at Mass, but your bishop can't see it clearly. Let's start with a prayer. name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Look, I mean, you know, this just blows my mind. You've got to be like me and everybody that you've signed up and uh, you've been getting emails even from companies you didn't even realize uh, you were on their email list and the CEO is writing you in this time of difficulty. And what are they all saying? We're taking precautions against the coronavirus, and we're very careful, and we care about you and your family. One side of me is like, well, send me a discount or give me a sale or give me something. But no, these are just telling you they want to assure you what? One, that their employees are washing their hands and that they've sanitized their office spaces and they're doing all these things. I mean, it's from everybody. You look online, they're talking about it. You look at the precautions. I mean, okay, the CDC, what are they telling people? Wash your hands. Wash your hands. You listen to the scientists and they're saying, hey, washing your hands with soap is actually better than the sanitizer because the soap film that's left over, it actually kills viruses. And, you know, the soap itself removes biofilm from your hand, and that can be a place where the viruses hide until they have an opportunity, it's on and on and on. What is And what does everybody keep talking about during all this? Their hands. Their hands. Okay, you see people wearing masks and stuff. 
because of airborne transmission. But what the primary means that everybody's worried about is washing your hands. And, and let's look at what the, how the dioceses are reacting. You've been seeing that through this past week, especially now that the president has come out with a, a statement. There's now a national emergency. There's other things going on. People are taking the threat of this seriously. Rome closed. Then they reopened. Uh, you know, I don't know which way to take that. It's, it, originally, Pope Francis said close the churches. Then he said, no, 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 the bishop said that. Well, you know, all that behind. I, I, I can see people are fumbling with how to properly pr- protect the faithful in large congregations. I mean, when they closed them originally, it's because Italy's saying uh, large gatherings should be closed. The cynic on the side of me. I mean, <laughs> Ivan, can I say this? Okay, he said I could. I mean, how many people go to mass in Europe as it is anyway? And, and you know, so here's the church full of itself saying, well, you know, we need to close churches because of these large congregations. They haven't had large congregations in Europe in a long time. But it, that's actually, I you know, that's, okay, that's me being feisty for a minute. Let's get back to the reality. I can see why there's back and forth on the response and what should be the prudent thing to do. But what I can't see is what we're going to talk about in a moment here. I can't see what we do in America. Let's talk about what American dioceses have been doing. One of the, uh, let me see here, where's my summary because I want to get it right. Distribution, okay, most of the dioceses, this is my summary of what I've been reading. Most of the dioceses have canceled distribution of Holy Communion under both species. Yay! Finally. I mean, even the USCCB's own document says that the ordinary time to distribute under both species are, there's only three occasions. One, it's for a poor priest who cannot celebrate or can celebrate himself, ought to receive both species when he's at Mass. Two, uh, uh, when a, a deacon is there, he's supposed to get it. Or three, certain religious, as in like you're entering the convent or the superior or something like that. Uh, you know, you're taking your vows. It's the Mass for your vows. That's it. Okay, can we make this permanent? I mean, that's a good thing. Now, the next one, this this, this is an answer to a prayer. The sign of peace is gone. Hey! <laughs> Ivan, are you clapping? Come on. Oh, wait. No, I'm not shaking your hand. No, it's not. I know this is the right place to do the sign of peace, not in the middle of mass, but no, 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 no. We're not allowed to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you go back over there. Stay stay 10 meters away from me. Okay. I mean, thank God. I, I can't imagine what's going to be going on in these parishes in place of shaking hands. But get get the idea here. You're not supposed to make contact. You're not supposed to shake hands. There we are again. Coronavirus, hands, hands. It's all on hands. Don't shake hands with each everybody. That, that. Now, 
I shudder to think of what the liturgical advisory committees in these parishes are going to come up with as an adequate replacement. Maybe it'll be bobbing in one's head. Maybe it'll be, you know, kind of like the, the, the ghetto greeting where you kind of lift your chin a little bit, you know, like a hey, peace with you. You know, I, I don't know what they're going to do in place of it. That I should be smart about this because we know, as our Lord warns us, you know, if you run the robber out of that, run the devil out of the house and you don't replace him with a strong man, the devil comes back with 10 more worse than him to take it back over. So, you know, there's a little, we should be a little vigilant, but for now, let's relish in the fact that there's no sign of peace. But, and here's where it gets weird for me. There's, now, okay, get the background. Everybody's saying, washing hands, don't touch handrails, don't do this, don't do that. Touch sanitized surfaces only. Wash your hands, no sign of peace. What do our bishops think is the right way to receive communion. Some parishes, some dioceses, excuse me, are trying to say, in response to the coronavirus, you should only receive communion in the hand. Say what? What? I mean, wait, just think about that for a minute. Everybody else is telling us, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't touch this, don't do that. And what are the bishops saying? Yeah, get that in your hand. Get that right there in your hand. You can't get any hand sanitizer anywhere, but you're going to get Holy Communion in your hand. Now, what's worse is it's going to be some other layperson's dirty hand giving it to you. Now, I, I, I got to say, can't they see this? You know, G.K. Chesterton said one time, it isn't that they can't see the solution, it's that they are the problem. You know, and I, I have to, you have to, okay, okay. Cue the uh, Away to Fantasyland uh, sparkles for a minute. In the bishop's mind, what does he see? You know, put your pastoral care hat on for a minute and look at it through the eyes of the chancery. You have the pillars of small faith community out there. The, these are the people who have dedicated their lives to ministries within their small faith communities. These are the, the people who make it all happen, right? We can't, we can't get rid of them right now. We can't say that their hands are dirty because they're set apart. They're special. At least that's what they want us to believe, right? I mean, they can't do that. Because they've allowed this empire of busybodies to build itself up in the place of you get sacraments from an ordained faithful priest, period. They can't interrupt that. Mm, mm, what's the word? You know, it's uh, what do you call it? Dilution of our faith. That is a, a feature of the American landscape. I mean, it's this co parallel ministry of lay people, busy bodies. You know, 
it bothers me. I saw, I, I, I got reminded, I saw a conversation on, uh, on uh, one of the social medias and, and somebody brought up, this is what kind of triggered me to think of this a little bit more. They weren't bringing up in this context. They were actually responding to, <laughs> there was a priest who made a comment on social media regarding the diocesan norms. And it had to do with communion on the tongue. And you had people that were concerned about saliva, the priest's thumb getting, and in one of the dioceses, actually, I should bring this up. Now, we're going to hold our place here. We're going to get back to this other spot. But think about this for a minute. One of the diocese statements said that the lay faithful receiving communion should be careful not to what? Not to lick the finger of the person giving you communion. What? I cannot think of the time ever that I received communion that I thought, oh, I can't wait to lick Father's thumb. Nobody thinks that. And actually, if you go, you know, I can only think of times that that's happened to me where anything's touched my tongue when I'm standing to receive communion. I don't know if it's, you know, think of the people who giving you communion, they need reading glasses or whatever, or they're not as sure on their feet. You know, people move in relationship to each other as they're keeping their balance. But when I've been at an altar rail, I've never, I, can, I cannot think of ever, even with a very frail priest distributing communion, the only thing that's ever touched my tongue at an altar rail has been the host, Period. Okay, back to, I said we'd come back to this. So that same diocese, I, I mean, I, I thought this was great because one diocese gets it. They kind of understand part of the problem here. And that was Youngstown that said that EMHC, or whatever they are, everything's an acronym today. The busybodies giving out communion have to use hand sanitizer before they give it out. Now, the scientist in me, um, you know, I don't like to throw down my credentials very often, but I am a peer-reviewed scientist. I am a peer-reviewed, and granted, it's been decades since I was writing and researching, but that doesn't take away the, the accomplishment. I do have chops in the science world, and I do have chops around microbiology. Uh, what I thought was amazing is that they're relying on hand sanitizer and Hand sanitizer, okay, yeah, it, it, it can kill germs, it can kill viri, but only as long as, for the most part, it's only as long as you smell the alcohol evaporating from your hand. It, the minute that's gone, it's, the effectiveness is gone. Soap, on the other hand, has an effectiveness for quite some time. As a matter of fact, if you, I, I'm, I would need to see a study to be sure, but I, I'm, I'll bet. I'll bet money on it, just based on experience, based on usual human activity, that if you wash your hands once an hour, your hands are pretty much going to be pretty doggone clean. Now, if you go outside and start digging in the dirt and stuff, obviously you've got whatever is coming from the dirt there and available to be spread. Likewise, if you're touching a bunch of dirty surfaces, go wash your hands after. But you can rest, if you've washed your hands correctly, one, it's going to be cleaner than using hand sanitizer, which means there's not particles on your hand that can house bacteria and microbes. And two, it's effective for a much longer time after you've done it. So, okay, 
All that aside, we're still talking about dirty hands. Now, okay, okay, bring back that uh, Fantasia. We're going to take a trip for a minute. Picture this with me. Let's go to the regular suburban parish. You know, back in the 80s when uh, maybe St. Monica, St. Lucia, and St. Stanislaus were closed and consolidated. And they put them together, and nobody likes saying all three saints' names. They still referred to it from their old parish name. (laughs) And, you know, you wonder, like, how these parishes were built. I mean, that was back during the Cold War, and you had a lot of Russian defectors. And sometimes you wonder, when you look at the structures of those churches that were built during that time, if, if they weren't, like, you know... People that took political asylum from the Soviet state, you know, you have some poor guy that was a, uh, uh, he was in uh, uh, Kursk Polytechnic Institute in Russia in 1940, and he studied uh, architecture. That's, that's who looks like design these places. I mean, you get into, they're like these concrete mavens of brutalism. You get into them and you feel like you're like under the parking space or the decks that are underneath the stadium. You know, there's big concrete bulkheads and stuff. And uh, that's if you made it past the welcoming minister at the door and all of the sign-up sheets for all of the activities. Once you kind of got into, uh, quote, worship space, end quote. You have these designs that, you know, it's a semicircle. You wonder where the sanctuary is. Oh, wait, it's up there where the spotlights are. Um, but you'll be lucky to see a sanctuary lamp. And why is that, uh, you know, the, I guess there's no distinguishable sanctuary. There's, you know, you might see the pipes of the pipe organ up there. It looks like stuff out of sci-fi. I mean, really, it looks like, you know, you could move in the NASA scientists and, and put a launch pad outside and it'd be right at home. Houston, we have liftoff. Or it could fit into dystopian sci-fi of a, of a bleak future. But this is your parish. This is what your bishop built for you. And through the years, through the past 30, 40 years, have encouraged this cult of busybodies you know, they used to call them ministries. A number of the progressive holdouts call them ministries. They've they've been changing their language. They, you know, they're starting to call them commissions. Why? It gets to this document from Rome in 1997 on collabor on questions, certain questions of collaboration of the lay faithful with the ordained ministry. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you this document went through all of the curia and was basically signed by just about every congregation, the the CDF, religious education, and Pope John Paul II himself signed it. It's an official and it's meant to be an authoritative document. What the whole point of the document is, all of this co-parallel ministry of lay people calling themselves ministers, having little special ceremonies to you know put them aside for their ministry to the for the, for worship those are at odds with the ordained ministry period and you can walk away from the document and realize the only thing we should be calling a ministry is that which the priest does 
And they talk about this notion, we haven't seen that in a while, but it used to be a big idea where they would talk about the common priesthood. And what you kind of had building up among the progressives with this idea that everybody's a priest. You know, in the post-Amazon synod, we synod, synod, or synodality, or whatever that was, the pagan ceremony with the uh, indigenous peoples, they tried to build a little bit of this idea, and you can see it in there, where they're talking about the, you know, the needs for the layperson and accessibility and all that. That's what we're talking about, but we're talking about it in a suburban setting. So if you go to mass at this place, let's say you're traveling and you're stuck and you have to go there or, you know, it's somebody's wedding or for whatever reason, if you survive to the point when communion is, what happens in these places? Never mind, you know, Ringling Brothers, I I mean, I have to put it this way. Ringling Brothers went out of business because they couldn't compete with this. You know, I mean, it's. I think that's what happened. Ringling Brothers, like, oh my gosh, have you seen what's going on at these church parishes? Nobody sends us to the carnival, the carny kids anymore because they're all in ministry. You know, it's it's everybody. I could, I'll give you an example. I remember going to uh, first Saturday mass. I wound up at a different parish because the convenience of time. We're in a side chapel to this place. There's 30 people. I think I counted 32 with the priest. Communion happens. I could go on about the other liturgical abuses. I'm not going to. I want to focus on this one point. There were 12 people, 12, got up to distribute communion. One third of that chapel was an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion. Do you hear it? And when you go to these places, I mean, you look online, you look at the schedules for the masses, you know, you'll see there's, they have the schedule for the, the busy bodies. They, and, and, you know, I, I don't know. You can look at the, you can look at the gender. I, far be it from me to assume anybody's gender, but I would like to believe in most Catholic parishes, at least for the age group we're talking about, that you can still guess the gender of people by their name. In most cases, the bulk's women. I mean, no, 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 we know why. And we know why that was done as an optics thing to promote these are women and they're active in ministry and look at us, back off feminists, we're, we're leading the way. And we all know they led the way with inclusive language that got us into this whole gender mess. But so they've been pushing this idea. But I mean, okay, so you get to communion, back to the regular parish, back to uh, the first Catholic church of, uh, of, of the second suburban area. What happens? You start seeing these people, you know, it's getting to the time where you're supposed to have the elevation, you know, and you're, you're supposed to be preparing yourself, making your final preparations to receive our Lord, and you start seeing these people get up. You know, I mean, and, and, and it's the same cast. I mean, somebody called Central Casting and said, send us a, a, a lay person crew for uh, ministry. And what do you have? You've got, you know, in, in many places, not all, you're going to have Sister sister Bruiser. You know, when you first see them, you would have no clue that this is actually a, a consecrated religious person. You might think that this is a retired sea captain of a merchant marine. 
And I don't understand it. Why do they all look the same? Where do they get this person? They, they, I think they, they have somewhere they call. And they say, yeah, 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 send us the, uh, send, we need a sister and we need uh, a couple of like thrice married uh, 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 lay people. And you get, you know, there's, there's this, you know, there's usually some older woman and she's got a bunch of jangly jewelry on and, and saggy arms and a lot of jewelry and like multicolor stuff because they're special and and their face kind of hangs a little bit. They, they come up there. There might be an older couple because everybody says it's cute because they've been at the parish for a long time and they're so dedicated. Then you get, there's usually some woman who you can tell, uh, you know, is kind of in the, the middle ages towards the end of the middle ages and, and they're important. And then you get some guy that is always wearing the logo of his company and nobody really knows what he does, but you know, his boss sponsors a softball team. You get, I mean, those are all the people that are running up there and they take forever to waddle up there and they all do that same thing when they get to the middle of the, where the table, I hate calling it table, but you, you can't call it an altar with the way this church looks, the way most of them look. But when you get to the the middle, they do that. I, I, that's why I say it's got to come from uh, central casting because they all do it the same way. They do that weird, it's not really a bow. They do it at the waist, but it's kind of like a head bow. I'm kind of half. Or they do the whole thing where they bend at the waist. I mean, a part of me says, well, I guess that that's appropriate because there's no tabernacle there. But if mass was effective, that's our Lord on the altar. So they should be genuflecting anyway. But instead, they do this quasi-weird kind of like really stilted kind of, I'm going to make a reverent, uh, an, an act of reverent uh, reverence. Then they get up there. And you, if, you, if you're at a place that has a deacon, the deacon has been, you know, that I don't know. I think of deacons in the American liturgy in American churches. That those poor guys, they're usually standing there like a deer in the headlights because they 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 feel like the priest has forgotten there's there, and they really don't have anything to do. So when the moment comes up, they have something to do. You know, which now, okay. So what does this poor guy have to do? He's he's breaking up and trying to make order out of how do I give. 12, 15 vessels out to these 10 people that are coming up here apart from the lay faithful in a space that's really not designed to have that many people in it. How do I get this and, you know, get them all sent out to uh, their various stations across this worship space? And it's a, it's a nightmare. You're supposed to be prepared for communion. The liturgy says the ways these happen. If it was just the priest... Yeah, I'm sure he washed his hands before Mass. He could have done it before starting a canon. You know, there's appropriate times during the offertory when he could have done that. He picks up the holy vessels, doesn't have to worry about the, the precious blood, just brings the, and he starts distributing. Now, if it's at an altar rail, it's even better. But let's get back to the lay people. Under this one diocese, I guess their solution would be to put a hand sanitizer station at the... <laughs> Think about this for a minute. Okay, if they're supposed to sanitize their hands, use hand sanitizer before distributing communion, what's that going to be like? 
you know, I mean, it's going to take Sister Bruiser at least three liturgical advisory committee meetings to figure out the right procedure for this. And then they're going to have to, you know, round trip it and stuff like that. And then they'll come out with the right way to sanitize hands as it, during a liturgical service that's also, you know, fits with the, all these other guidelines that they come up with in local tradition. It's our tradition at this parish to do things this way. So, I mean, I don't know. I tried to picture that. Are they just going to put a hand sanitizer? You know, those hand sanitizer stations where it's just kind of like a, uh, a stanchion and then, you know, there's like a like a sign and then there's just this hand sanitizer like bolted to it and you can put your hand under there. Is that what's going to happen? You know, so they go up there. I guess we can figure this out. They're going to go up. They're going to do their little, do they do the reverence before or after putting the sanitizer on their hands? I mean, don't you see what's going on? It's it's a freaking circus. And then they're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to, so what way is healthier? What way, if we listen to what the scientists tell us how to take precautions, it's to wash our hands, not touch a bunch of surfaces. And if it's a matter of probability, is it better to have 14 people handling stuff all together, like you see up in these American churches? Or is it better to have one guy who can control his hands and is the only one handling the vessel and the communion? In my mind, I'd rather trust the guy who was ordained to give and to be the one to whom Gives me Holy Communion. I think the priest can do a better job washing his hands and be taking care to give communion well. So this document from Rome, I, I love the way, you know, this is 1997. The whole concern of the document is we're allowing this empire of busy people to start to confuse the faithful as to what the ordained priesthood is and that the ministry of the church is carried forth by ordained priests, period. Period. It talks about the faithful can be supplementary, supplementary for extraordinary. Now, that word supplementary means in addition to doesn't mean in the place of. Do you think having a, a, a schedule that has eight and ten people jumping up is supplementary? Do you think a third of a congregation for a weekday mass distributing is supplementary? Nevertheless, when... And, and, and let's make one thing clear. We're not talking about people that take communion to the sick or any of that. We're talking about during Mass. So, and this is the point that the document makes. Extraordinary ministers may distribute Holy Communion at Eucharistic celebrations when only when there are no ordained ministers present or, or those ordained ministers present at a liturgical celebration are truly unable to distribute Holy Communion. 
you get this little, this is, here's the, you know, there's always this little crack in the door that our U.S. bishops will gladly just force open and make regular. I mean, lest we forget, communion in the hand is an exception that's not supposed to be exercised. But here's an exception that's not supposed to be exercised, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Here's the, here's the magic phrase. They may also exercise this function at Eucharistic celebrations when there are particularly large numbers of the faithful. Mm-hmm. And which would be excessively prolonged because of an insufficient number of ordained ministers to distribute Holy Communion. I argue that in most of these parishes, the amount of time it takes for logistics to get these busybodies to waddle their way around the worship space takes up more time than if the priest just would have, like he does during the homily, walked down there right away and started distributing. And uh, let's not even get into the altar rail. You know, if they use an altar rail instead of whatever all these peculiar weird bow here, step over here, do this. If we just use an altar rail, all of that weird virtue signaling that's taken the place of true reverence occurs could all happen on their own time and not on the priests. But we need to have important people. We need to have the carnival. We need to have the circus to show everybody that lay people advance the church. Right? So wait. Supplementary. It's supposed to help. What I like, and it's right there. To avoid creating confusion, certain practices are to be avoided. This is Rome. Rome, 1997, all the Curia and JP2. Certain problems have emerged in particular churches. Extraordinary ministers receiving Holy Communion apart from the other faithful as those celebrants. I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that. I could take you to a parish. I guarantee you because I've seen what they put on there. I I thought about putting, uh, (laughs) I thought about putting web clips from parishes to prove the point. But today you can go. It happened last Sunday at a particular parish that I won't name. They still do this. Eucharistic ministers are up there like the priest at the elevation, and, you know, they're not holding the communion during the elevation. At least they're smart enough not to do that. But they immediately get it after, and they all do this weird little, there's like a little ceremony they go through. You know, that was really, that was the work of our liturgists and the liturgical advisory committee. It took them a long time. We find it's a special local tradition for us in our faith community. It's wrong right there 23 years ago boom next next problem association with the renewal of promises made by priests at the chrism mask on holy thursday i guess they do that right before the seder meal you know things just aren't supposed to be going on number three this 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 is the biggie they're telling us this is a problem that has emerged in peculiar ch- in particular churches in 1997. Have you seen this change at all? The problem, the habitual use of extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion at Mass, thus 
arbitrarily extending the concept of a great number of the faithful every freaking american suburban parish does this every cathedral in america does this worse they do it with people that like i mean okay you know, Julie, she's really nice, and God bless her. She's on her on her fourth husband, but don't worry. The first three were valid annulments. And, you know, her second husband's on the music committee. Don't laugh. I won't name this place, but that's a real situation. That, now, we welcome sinners back. But do you get what that? You can't say anything about these people. Why? They're held up in a special place. This is what your bishop sees. And this is what they refuse to address. And here it is with the coronavirus. We have a situation where hands, hands, hands are the problem. (laughs) And what are they doing? They're saying you're going to get communion on your hand and we're going to make sure that we're going to introduce a million hands to the process. Don't make the sign of the peace. You know, that's really bad. Don't get on the tongue. You know, because we might have to train all these busybody people to actually distribute communion properly. Don't go to an altar rail. No, no. Use some hand sanitizer and receiving the hand from this other person, lay person's hands. That's the solution. Doesn't make any sense to me. And yet you have some bishops in this country that are jumping on this as if it's a solution to coronavirus. And well, this is just a necessary precaution we have to take during this difficult and tough time. I, I got to thank our Lord because no sign of peace, us other stuff going to the wayside. And uh, please, Lord, keep us safe from the effects of this virus. But we have to see the obviousness here of what's wrong. There shouldn't be diocesan statements saying, you know, how to deal with the uh, extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. There shouldn't be any. Does it not make any sense at this point? Okay, uh, we're going to introduce 12 new carriers, potential carriers, to the mix of putting uh, people who are at Mass wanting to receive communion. And we're going to make them all use their hands. I mean... How are the lay people that receive communion that had to touch pews, had to lean on things, had to just make their way to communion? How are they supposed to sanitize their hands before receiving our Lord on them? I think everybody knows it would be ridiculous to have a hand sanitizer sitting up there where people were receiving communion so they could sanitize their hands before receiving our Lord. So they haven't gone to that yet, but they still don't realize the better option. The way to minimize the number of hands touching our Lord is to have the priest 
put communion on the tongue of the faithful. End of story. And better yet, if that faithful is kneeling at an altar rail, able to tip their head back, there's no touching. Nice. It's almost like out of the, you know, thousands of years that our our church has had to figure out how to do this, that they got it right before 1960, right? That's how the Byzantines do it. That's how the church prefers. That's her normative way of receiving communion. But these important people whose feelings might get hurt if we take away their importance can't see it that way. But they're going to tell you all about how to avoid the coronavirus. No. The problem with the coronavirus, it should be obvious, and it is obvious, because of the other things that have gone away and that they're telling us not to do. But you see just how important it is to them to be sure that these important people aren't upset. You've been listening to a hot take on the Bellarmine Forum podcast uh, today on coronavirus should be the end of extraordinary ministries of Holy Communion regularly used at Mass. I'm your show host, John B. Manos. Production of this episode is underwritten by an anonymous donor that asks you to say a rosary daily. If you would like to underwrite production of the Bellman Forum podcast, contact the forum using the contact form on our website, bellmanforum.org, or call us. This podcast is a production of the Bellman Forum, formerly known as the Wanderer Forum Foundation, founded in 1965 on the heels of Vatican II as a faithful enclave of the Catholic faith without all the progressive modernist confusion. Ivan! Hey! Stop touching that. Oh, you better go wash your hands. Our producer sits at the right hand of the Father and will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Our executive director made all things visible and invisible. Our technical director is an unnamed angel assigned to us by the producer per show. The Bellarmine Forum is a nonprofit public charity, and all donations are tax deductible to the maximum extent permitted by law. This show is copyrighted by the Bellarmine Forum 2020. To the greater glory of God, any honor the Blessed Mother. Amen.